Good morning and welcome to Bayou City Fellowship. Good morning and welcome to Bayou City Fellowship. Let's, let's go. Let's wake up, guys. Let's go. Come on. We're in the house of the living God, not the dead God. Amen? Amen. Well, man, it is so good to be here this morning uh, to worship with you. If you're a guest, we are so glad that you came out on this Sunday to join us as we worship Jesus. Uh, and so if you are here, we, we want to welcome you, and we hope that not only do you feel welcome here, not only do you enjoy what we do here, but more than that, that you would encounter the living God, and you would never be the same after that. That's our real prayer for you today. Uh, today, we are starting a new series entitled Together. Look to the person to the right to say, Together. Okay, that didn't work well, so turn to the person on your left and say, Together. Awesome, awesome. And so in this series, we're going to take a step back and say, Why do we gather together? Like, why do we gather together? Do you know why you showed up here on a Sunday morning? It's beautiful, muggy Houston weather, and you are here. Like, why did you gather here? You know, I have the same question for the Aggies. Like, why do you whoop and why do you yell? Like, what is that all about? Why do you do the things that you do? Us on the outside, we just never can get the Aggies, but there's grace for you, Aggies. But today, we want to say, why do we gather together? Like, why do we preach every Sunday morning? And so the next five weeks, we're going to take a look at why do we do the things we do? Because we don't want to just be blind, kind of following the leader. Like, we want to be present. We want to acknowledge, like, when I am taking communion, what am I really doing? When the, when the bucket goes around and we're giving offering, why do we do that? Why do we sing worship? Why do we praise? Why do we believe that God gives spiritual gifts and that they're the good for the entire corporate body? Why do we do the things we do. We don't want to just be ignorant and just follow the leader. We want to be people that are present, that honor the Lord with the things that we do, not just having religion and tradition. And so I'm excited about this series that we could become people that don't just do things out of habit, but we would be people that recognize Jesus in all the things that we do. And so my my definition, if you're taking notes today for uh, really the purpose of our gathering, why do we gather together? Here is, uh, I apologize for the length of it, but here is in my own words what I see in scripture. We gather to equip and encourage the church to co-labor with God to redeem the world in order that worship would exist where it isn't currently. Uh, Let me say that again because that was a mouthful. The purpose of our gathering, why we come together on a Sunday morning, is to equip and encourage the church, which is you guys and me, to equip and encourage the church to co-labor with God to redeem the world in order that worship would exist where it isn't right now. That's our purpose as of church. And today we're going to look at a passage in Hebrews chapter 10 that really gives us some definition of what should it look like when we come together. What should I expect and, and really what's expected of you, not just the pastor. Uh, this week, um, uh, I have been thinking about food a lot, and, which is most weeks of my life. I think about food. I, I'm a foodie. I enjoy food. And I was thinking specifically about buffets. Anybody like a good buffet? So we're not talking about like the, the corner Chinese buffet that you're like, questionable. Like what am I, what kind of meat am I eating? That's not what kind of food. We're not talking about the Mexican buffet that we know how that usually ends. Like we're talking about a good, good, good buffet. Like I'm talking like cream in the crop. Like think like Taste of Texas salad bar. That's really a salad buffet. Come on, anybody ever been there? It's amazing. I know it is. Or uh, t- uh, the, uh, the uh, what's the, Texas Day Brazil, thank you. Texas Day Brazil. Anybody ever been to one of those restaurants where they give you this little coin? It's like a coin from God. And it's like green on one side and red on the other. And so if you just want meat to come out, you just leave that baby on green all night long. And they bring out your chopsticks, chopsticks, chop, chopsticks, whatever they are, uh, steaks, chicken, all that. And they just keep bringing it out. And we love buffets because we are Texans and we are Americans and we love 
buffets. And there's some characteristics, though, about buffets that I want to point out here. Uh, I've got a nice little chart here. Um, number one, a buffet is we just show up and we don't bring anything to the table. It's just so nice. Like, I just show up and I just get to do nothing. My responsibility is nothing. I just have to be present. All I have to do when I go to these places is consume. And so I wear my sweatpants with no belt and I just consume and consume. And then when it's all said and done, I just get up and I I leave. Like there's no expectations from the buffet that I do anything other than pay my tab, which would be a good thing, especially for a believer. And leave a good tip, which would be really good for you uh, in the room that are servers. Leave a good tip. Um, But this is all a buffet has to offer. This is why we go, right? This is a great thing. Uh, as I was thinking about buffets this week, I was also thinking about another place where we go to eat, and that's a potluck. Has anybody ever been to a potluck? Come on, give me an amen in the house if you've ever been to a potluck. Uh, you know, I'm from a very southern Ohio, very rural area. Uh, I grew up uh, part of my time in a church in Coonville, Ohio. That kind of tells you kind of how out in the woods we were. Coonville, this small chapel church. But I'll tell you what, small chapel churches know how to cook some food, right? Amen. And so, man, every couple months, we would go down to the senior citizen building in the metropolitan of Logan, Ohio, and we would gather around these tables after tables after tables of homemade food, biscuits and rolls and green beans and potatoes and five different kinds of meats. And then, by the way, we have like a thousand desserts. So you really eat dessert first, then you eat the meal, and then you eat dessert again. And so I was just remembering this, and I was thinking about my grandfather, who is a pastor. His name is Reverend James Matthias. Like, how bold is that? Like, I'm Pastor Derek. He's Reverend James. Like, amazing name. And he would get up before we ate, and he had this big baritone voice, but he's this little bald guy. And he had this big baritone voice, and he would bless the food. And then we would all just devour and eat, and we loved it. It was one of the staples of me growing up, and I love it. Now, we have the buffet things, but a potluck is just a little bit different, right? A potluck is where we all bring what we have prepared to the table. I don't just show up. I actually have to do something, and I bring it to the table. And everyone has a role and responsibility. If I'm responsible for the mashed potatoes, guess what? I better bring the mashed potatoes because nobody else is bringing the mashed potatoes. And so we all have roles and responsibilities at a potluck. And also at a potluck, we don't just eat like at a buffet. We also serve. So we prepare, we make, and then we serve one another. And we also consume from one another. And so it's this giving and receiving, giving and receiving. That's what a potluck is. And then at the end, we don't just get up and go. We actually help clean up when we take our Pyrex pans and we wash them up and we take them home and eat the leftovers for two weeks. And it's so glorious. Now, unfortunately, I think some of the world, and I would say most of the world outside of the church, and honestly, a lot of inside the church, the way that we view church is a lot of us would would say it's more like a buffet. Like I just come on a Sunday morning and I show up and I don't, there's nothing expected of me. I just show up and I don't have to bring anything. There's no responsibility for me. I just have to have my butt in a seat and I'm good to go. That's what Sundays look like. That's what gatherings look like. And all I have to do is consume. So I'm just going to consume the worship. I'm going to consume the word. I'm going to consume the prayer time. I'm going to consume the prayer ministry time. I'm going to consume that my kids, amen, are not in my lap while I'm listening. Like, that's good. I'm going to consume that child care. I'm going to consume. I'm going to consume. And then I'm just going to get up and leave. And by the way, if I didn't like the buffet <clears throat> that week, uh, or you get a hairball, uh, you, uh, you just pick another buffet. And you go to the next week and you just find somewhere else. But, but what I want to put before you today is I think biblically the church is much less like a buffet and much more like a potluck. 
You see, the, the scriptures make it really clear that we just don't show up to hear somebody speak and to hear somebody sing. Like we come together as a family, as individual members that make up the body of Christ. And so we each come with something to offer. We each come with the responsibility that God has put something in you that he hasn't put in me that he has given you a gift that he probably didn't give me. And so when we come together, we bring all that we have, all that God has gifted us with, and it comes together in this beautiful gathering where we consume, yes, we learn from each other. We are ministered to from others, but we also serve others in conversation and prayer. Some teach, lots of different platforms to do that in our church, throughout the week in community groups. And then when it's all said and done, we all help clean up, and literally we do that. We help clean up. If you didn't realize, we're a mobile church. Like, this isn't our building, uh, Captain Obvious. This is a school that we rent and that we pay money for, and every week we have people wearing these blue shirts, and that's honestly why I wore this today because we've got teams, tons of people that serve our church to, so we can sit here in Sunday. There's people that set up and they tear down every single week. And so if you're one of those people that serve our church, I just want you to stand up for a second. I want to recognize you. If you serve in any capacity. Yeah, they're, they're so humble. Go ahead, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Yes. Yes. Hey, hey just from your pastor, I just want to tell you, because I don't probably tell you enough. Thank you, guys. Thank you that you don't view this as a buffet. You say, man, no, Derek, I know all too well this is a potluck because every Sunday I show up before the sun comes up and I start to set this place up. And oh, by the way, when this service is done and we go to go to a real buffet probably, a lot of us, uh, there'll be people here tearing down. And so uh, I'm gonna challenge some of you today that today we're honestly a little light on our teardown team. Uh, We had a guy dislocate his knee this morning that had to go to the ER. He's one of our our staples. And so uh, if you have 15 minutes, literally 15 minutes, everybody raise your hand. You have 15 minutes. I can guarantee you. Uh, Could you, would you, I'm going to invite you to go across the hall after the service and just raise your hand and say, hey, I'm I'm part of a potluck church. I'm here to help. You just tell me where I need to go. And we'll have Miss Laura here and she will direct you and you will actually live in and be part of the church versus just coming and consuming. Is that all right? Did I step on any toes with that? Good, because I meant to. Um, So after the church, let's do that. So listen, we are more of a buffet church than a potluck. This is what we see in the scriptures, and we're going to see this in Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, flip over into Hebrews chapter 10. We're really going to go verse by verse, three verses here today, um, and say, why do we gather? What, what, What is the purpose of our gathering here? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. This is the word of the Lord. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so uh, when Curtis and I were talking about what's this series look like, he really was anchored in this section of scripture that, that this gives us some good insight of what we desire for by City Fellowship. When we come together on Sunday mornings or when we come together in home churches and our community groups throughout the week, these are some of the things that should be happening in our church. And so this is not just a staff-led thing. You should hear this and say, okay, I am part of this. It's not just happening to me. I'm actually part that actually lives this out. And so we're gonna go verse by verse. Verse number one, 23. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. So, so the number one thing we see in this passage is that our church gatherings, 
our church gatherings, they must be focused on our hope and our faith, which is Jesus. That's why you're going to hear us all the time. We, we preach Jesus unashamedly. We preach the blood of Jesus unashamedly. We preach the return of Jesus unashamedly because we believe the scriptures tell us, as Ernest said, that all knees and all tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we want to make sure when we gather together, we get our eyes off of ourselves. We stop navel gazing and we get our eyes up and say, Jesus, oh wait, Jesus, I'm part of the church, which, which means I'm part of the body. It's not a building church. It's not a religious organization. The church is all those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you profess Jesus as your, as your God, as your savior, you are part of our church. And when we gather together, we wanna make sure that we are all about Jesus. In Romans, which is a phenomenal uh, deep book. Romans chapter 12 gives us a little insight in verse four and five uh, about kind of the, the thoughts that God has towards the church. Verse four says, for as in one body, we, often, we have many members and the members do not have all the same functions. So he's saying all of us that are part of the church, we have different functions, different roles, but we're all different members. And so we come together and he says, this is how we come together. So though many are one body in Christ and individual members, one of another. And so what, what the writer's saying here is, listen, we all have different skill sets. We all have different spiritual giftings from God. We have all been wired differently from God. But when we come together to gather, it's because we are in Christ. Listen, we gather because of Jesus. We gather for Jesus. We gather in the presence of Jesus. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is our leader. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the reason we come to church. Somebody say amen in this house. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we believe at Bayou City Fellowship, that's enough. And so our slogan here has been from day one, Curtis and the vision that he feels like the Lord gave him. It's we were gonna be a simple church, a church that just said, we are about Jesus. If Jesus said it, we wanna hear it. If he did it, I wanna know about it. And not only do I wanna know intellectually, I wanna live out that life that Jesus lived. That's our heart at Bayou City Fellowship. And when we look at Jesus, what do we see? We see a man who was also God that when he lived this earth, he was so focused on the Father. He says, I was sent by the Father. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what he says. So, so Jesus focused on the Father, and we also, Jesus was baptized, and it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him up. And so we see Jesus, our Lord and Savior, focused on the Father and living, filled up in unity with the Holy Spirit. And so when we say we're about Jesus, that's not a knock against the Father and the Holy Spirit. We're just saying that Jesus was given for our salvation. He's the way that we get to the Father. And as we come to Jesus, we also love the Father and we also embrace the Holy Spirit. And so we're a simple church. We're about Jesus. And so if you're gathered here in any other reason, like there's a lot of churches that you could probably go to. If you get tired of hearing the name of Jesus, I'm just gonna be straight with you. You probably don't wanna come to this church. And if you start hearing us not talk about Jesus, then I hope that you start emailing me and Curtis and whoever else on the staff because we've lost our way because we're a church that's centered on Jesus. And so uh, with this cry of Bayou City Fellowship, the challenge is this is not a staff thing. This is not a Derek thing like all of us. So my question for you this morning, if you indeed are following Jesus Christ and you placed your faith in him, you have become a member of the body of Jesus. He is our head. So when we gather together, what are you doing to make sure that our focus is on Jesus? 
or maybe even what are you not doing to make sure that not only your focus, but those that are around you that you interact with, those that you serve, also get their eyes on Jesus because it's not just a staff thing. It's not just a teaching pastor thing. We're the body. It's a potluck. This is not a buffet. Each one of us is a member. Each one of us is responsible to make sure that you have your eyes on Jesus and that in any way that you can, that you get the others around you when we gather to get their eyes up on Jesus. Verse 24, we see, he says, the author says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now this word stir means to incite or to encourage. And so it's how can I get the person beside me to do two things, to love and to do good works. Now, now this word love, there, there's several words in the Greek language to describe the word love. We just have one word. They have like four, brotherly love, uh, filio, which is kind of the, the intimate sexual love. But, but the love that's spoken about here is agape. Everybody say agape. Uh, agape love is the highest form of love. It's the love that originates from God. That's why John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world, that love there is agape. It's this godly love that isn't just spoken, but it's backed up with sacrifice, with selflessness, with commitment. And so what the author's telling us here is that our first priority is Jesus. And as we're following Jesus, as we get our eyes on our hope, our faith, As we do that, we also must stir up one another to this agape love, this love that we first receive. Now, now this is going to be hard for some of us because uh, to, to love others the way that God loves you, it requires that I first love the way that first work is internally. Have I received the love of God? Do I relish the love of God? Do I embrace, do I believe in the love of God. And so as I receive that love, as I stir others up around me to receive that love, what happens is my heart is transformed. And as I receive, only then can I reciprocate that love back to God. Remember, we didn't know love until God loved us. And so I receive that and I give it back. And then what the scripture makes really clear is that after I love God, I've got to love myself. And then and only then can I transition into loving others. And so as we gather, one of our chief jobs together, not just the pastor, but all of us, is to stir the affections and the love of those around us towards Jesus. And, and AK, he's one of our elders. He's preached here uh, quite a bit. I love him. I just write down everything he says because he's just such a wise uh, guy full of wisdom. And one of the things that he said that's so stuck out to me is he said that we prioritize and we obey what we love. And so if, if I love my work, guess what? My whole life is gonna be uh, focused on how do I get promoted? How do I get a career? How do I make more money? If I love my kids more than anything else, then I'm gonna have them involved with every little sporting activity from the age of two on. They're gonna be playing tackle, tackle football at three years old here in Texas. Uh, and they're gonna be doing everything, violin lessons, piano lessons, saxophone lessons. They're gonna be going to church. They're gonna be going to community group. They're gonna go to every vacation Bible school possible because they need to get away from me. But I do love them. And so if, if that is our love, then our life is going to be prioritized with our kids because we obey and prioritize what we love. And that's why we don't preach moralism here. That's why we don't tell you, hey, go do X, Y, and Z and constrain yourself. No, we preach Jesus and his love for you because we know that's where transformation happens. When we receive the love of God, then transformation can begin. You see, obedience is the fruit, not the root. 
Obedience is what happens out of a love. And so if we start turning our affections away from the world and on to Jesus, what I know happens because I've had it in my own life is what happens is my obedience, my priority begins to shift. And I don't have to tan up here every Sunday and tell you, hey, go do this and stop doing this. No, I can say, hey, let's get our eyes on Jesus, receive his love, and he'll begin to transform your life. And so the first thing we got to do is we got to stir up one another to love, agape love. And then he goes on to say, not only do we have to do that, we also have to stir up one another to encourage one another to good works. And I love this because this, this love, agape, it's more of an internally focused thing. But then he turns it external and he says, now, not only are you going to love, but you're now going to give good works. You're going to do good works, which is really expressions of love. Good works. I take the love that I have and I allow it to flow out. And honestly, this is what gets me so excited about the church as in the people of God coming together is because when we come together, one of the primary focuses is that we encourage, we speak life, we empower you to be exactly who God created you to be. That, that we aren't telling you, you gotta look like Derek. You gotta look like Alicia. You gotta look like Coralicia. We're not saying any of that. No, we want you to be exactly how God created you to be and we want you to step into the purpose he has for your life. And so that's why we gather to stir up to good works. This word good works is in the scriptures all over the place. Uh, My other favorite part is in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Just let this sink in a second. He says, for we, everybody just say we again. That's just good. We are his workmanship. I talked about awe last. Just let the awe set in (laughs) that God created you. He wired you. He gave you likes and dislikes. He gave you things in your heart that melt and stir you up to action. He made you. You are his workmanship. And then it said, created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is the same word in the Greek that's used in what we just read in the Hebrews. You are created for good works. So when we come together, we're saying, hey, step into how God created you to be. Go and do what he has called you to do. If you're an engineer, be an engineer, but make sure it's under the kingdom of God. If you're a businessman, man, you go make money, you go make deals because the world needs that, but you make sure that you're doing that under the covering of the kingdom of God. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you don't have to go to work. You be a stay-at-home mom in the name of Jesus, and that's what we call each other to, to receive the love of God and then to take how he created us and to go and do good works. When I was in Ohio, I had a friend. uh, His name was Steve. He owned a tattoo studio, so he would maybe stick out a little bit here in Houston, Texas, at least where we're at. There's a few of you tattered up. Uh, you bring legitimacy to our church. Thank you for coming. Uh, but where I went to church in Ohio, like three quarters of the church was tattered up, primarily because this one guy. He not only was a tattoo artist, <coughs> but he actually owned his own tattoo studio. It was called Thou Art. He still owns it. And he saw that as his mission ground. He saw it. Man, he had tattoos literally from his neck all the way down. He had this three crosses on this hill on his neck that was just epic. And, and, and what else he did is he recognized that God created him and wired him for a purpose. That he gave him artistic abilities, that he gave him a, a background and a history where he was homeless and a drug addict and didn't have any hope in life and God restored him. And so when my, my buddy Steve looks at his life and looks at how God created him, how he wired him, he says, of course, I'll step in and be who God has created me to be. 
And so when he tattoos people, this is how it happens, actually. You probably haven't been to a tattoo studio, but they have this hand and they have this needle that just goes a million miles an hour. And that what Steve has is he went ahead and tattooed himself a reminder that when he is tattooing somebody, he is doing it under the king. That it's part of the good works that he was created to do. And so Steve, when I was around him, man, he stirred my affections for the Lord. He loved God so much. Loved him passionately. Did he mess up sometime? Yeah. Did he say some things that probably weren't exactly theologically correct? Probably. Don't we all? But what else I loved about Steve is he stirred me up to good works because when I looked at Steve's life or when I hung out with Steve, he was always looking for what is God doing around him. If we went to a grocery store, he would be in the aisle looking at vegetables. He'd look up. Another person was in the aisle. He would look at them in the eyes, actually make eye contact. That's, that's a new thing for some of us. We'd actually make eye contact, and he would say, how are you doing today? With an expectation that he would actually enter into a, a conversation, not just, hey, how you doing? Can I put your head down and go? When he saw a person walking on the side of the road, he was the first one to go alongside and say, hey, where are you going? I'm headed this way. Do you need a ride? Or really the way that God created him is that he had a passion for homeless guys because he was a homeless guy at one point. And so whenever a homeless guy was made known to him, he would go to the man or the woman and he would go to him, find out what the needs were. And then he would take back to the church and his network and he would say, hey, this is what we need. We need a mattress. We need a couple tents. We need some food. And he would gather and he would take to it. And so whenever I was around Steve, man, my affections for the Lord were stirred and I wanted to step into the good works that God had planned for me. And that's what you should do when we come together. When you gather at community groups, when you come to Sundays, listen, your number one job is to get your eyes on Jesus. Number two is to encourage others to love God by receiving God's love. And number three is then how do you stir others up to the good works that God created them to do? See, that, that, it really sums up why we gather here, why we gather in community groups, why we gather together to receive God's love, to love God, and then to step out in good works. Look at the last verse here, verse 25. It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we see a very interesting point. He says, don't neglect coming together. Now, now this would make sense because in Acts chapter 2, right after Pentecost, remember that happened, the Holy Spirit came down, tongues of fire, uh, speaking in different tongues. 3,000 men came to Christ after Peter had preached the sermon, the first one filled up with the Holy Spirit. After that, we get a first look at what the church looked like in chapter 2, verse 42. And it says that they, the believers, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and breaking bread together. And so they said they were devoted to coming together, to hear truth, to be in fellowship, and to encourage one another. This word devoted is, I think, my generation, and I think the church culture in general, it's like a word, like a four-letter word. Devoted. Committed. Our generation just says, man, what do you have to offer me? And if I don't like it, then I'm going to go somewhere else. Or, hey, I've got a thousand different things I'm devoted to, so I can't be devoted to one thing. So don't really expect me to be devoted. So I'm going to be kind of half devoted. I might use that word, but I'm not really devoted. I think that would sum up our culture (laughs) and my generation for sure. But the struggle is that the scriptures tell us that we should devote ourselves to gathering together consistently. The early church, they met together daily. 
uh, I think that they would be a little surprised that we can't even be devoted to gather once a week or twice a week. And so I, I do believe that God has wired us with a need to gather. He's given us the church as the body of believers to come together consistently to be devoted to doing so. This isn't popular, and honestly, in churches all across the world, it's a huge struggle. And if I'm just being honest, uh, some of you in this room, you're probably struggling with this yourself, that you find yourself not devoted to coming together with a local body of believers. And I would challenge you and ask you, why is that? When I graduated college, uh, we moved across the country from Ohio to Kansas City, Missouri, And uh, for the next three years, uh, I had a lot of success in my corporate job, got promotions. But in the midst of that, we never were consistently in a church, in a gathering of believers. And so what I found is that because I was really operating more as a buffet, I was going to consume, but I never was engaging. I was never bringing anything that my spiritual life, my relationship wasn't connected to any group, really, really strained Uh, If I look back on those three years of my life where I wasn't connected to any group of believers, I can tell you that the sin in my life was rampant, that the addiction in my life was so hidden and that I was so wrapped up in lies that I couldn't even tell you the truth, that I didn't have a desire to read my Bible whatsoever, that my love for God had grown completely cold and therefore my love for others had grown completely cold. I was the most egocentric man that I've ever met. And I can point to one of the reasons why is because I had neglected coming together. Now, when I finally moved back to Ohio and I plugged into a church called Lancaster Community Church, uh, that's really when I saw my faith change. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying that this church service changes everything, but what I am saying is God wired us and called us to come together because of this. Because when we come together, I began to hear truth. In from the word of God, truth. And so I heard solid biblical teaching. And as I was hearing solid biblical teaching, I was seeing men like Steve live out this solid biblical teaching. And then I got guys around me like Steve who called me out when I was were swerving away from the truth. Guys that invited me, hey, come into this. This is what it looks to be a man who leads your home. This is what it looks like to lead your wife in your marriage. But what I look at that season of my life, man, I had no connection to the local church. But then I got plugged in and I started seeing church as a potluck. And I began to serve in the kids' ministry. That's really where I started teaching. (laughs) I began to preach once in a while. Then I started a men's ministry. All because I finally obeyed the word of God that says, do not neglect coming together. And so I would ask you today, do you prioritize coming together? Is it on the top of your list to be a person who comes together with other believers to hear truth, to receive communion, to serve others, to worship, to pray, to encourage, to be empowered? Is that something you value? Is it a priority in your life? And and then I would follow that question, whatever you answer that question, yes or no, there's not an in-between, it's either yes I do or no I don't. Uh, Does your connection and commitment to your local church, is it, Helpful or hurt what you answer? Because I think we say one thing, man, yeah, church, body of Christ coming together, I'm devoted. But I think for many of us, we would struggle with pointing to any evidence that we really are devoted. And I don't say this, and Curtis and I don't say this because we want Bayou City to be a massive church. We want Jesus to be at the 
throne here. And so whatever he wants, if he wants to be a small church, we're not saying that because we want church growth, but this is what I know. If we believe the scripture and it says that each one of us is a member of the church, not a bystander, but a member of the body of Christ. Some of us are stomachs. I'm sorry. Some of us are fingernails. Some of us are chins. Some of us are toes. Some of us are eyes. We all have an aspect to play when we come together, every single one of us. And so when you're not here consistently and committed to be here, it's not just you that suffer. I suffer. Our church suffers. And so I I want us to get a little bit out of this me mentality and just say, man, yeah, I see when I don't come to church, like I know my my walk with the Lord is is for me was just nothing there. But not only was that hindering, I also wasn't part in contributing to the body of Christ. I wasn't living in a potluck church. See, at a potluck, if, if Pam forgets to bring the potatoes, the potluck still goes on. But you and I both know you're going to miss your potatoes. Right? The same is true for church. If you go and you're not here consistently, and I'm not saying there's not good reason. Listen, the last thing I'm saying, there's good reasons. Vacation, somebody died, you're sick, um, Maybe that's it, and, and there's a lot of bad reasons, though. <laughs> it worked, worked. I had a season where I had to work 12-hour shift. Like, I get that. There's work reasons. But listen, uh, I've, had, I've heard reasons, and this is not me judging. This is me just stepping on your toes a little bit, if you don't mind, that I've heard I didn't show up to church because it was sunny outside. I didn't show up to church because I hit snooze five times instead of one time. You see, those things, that's truth, and I love that people are willing to share that truth, but I would question, are you really devoted to the local body? Because it says here, don't neglect, don't neglect. It's not just gonna hinder you, it's gonna hinder everyone around us. And so I would challenge you, specifically men in this room, you're the spiritual leader of your family. If you're sleeping right now, wives, like hit them in the side because I want men to look at me. Like you set the temperature in your home for the godliness that is there. Your kids are looking at you. Like do they see a man who has devoted his life to following Jesus? Is there any time they would walk into your study and see you reading the scriptures? Is there any time that they would happen upon you and your wife and you would be praying over her? Men, you have to be the ones that lead your home. And if you're a single man, man, right now is the time to practice. You lead yourself well. You have self-discipline. You be a devoted man, and so that will pay off when it's later. And you women, you women who are married or don't, aren't married, maybe you're a single mom. First of all, I'm sorry. Sorry, but you are called by God to lead your family if it's all you have. And you show them what it looks like to be a devoted mom, what it looks like to be a devoted sister, what it looks like to be a devoted woman who loves Jesus. We are called not to neglect, but it says instead we should encourage one another. One another to get our eyes on Jesus, but we're also called to gather together to encourage one another to leave this room. And some of you are saying it's about time, Derek. Yes, please. We're called to encourage each other. We gather and then we scatter. That's our mantra here. I don't know if Curtis came up with it. I'm gonna give him credit because he's the man. Like Curtis came up with this. We gather in order that we can scatter. And we encourage one another, yes, to come together, to live into who God has created us, to receive forgiveness, to receive grace. But at the end of the day, we all step out of here and we are to encourage one another to go, to go into the world. That's why Jesus, when he gathered his disciples together in John, I think chapter 21 or 20, he was gathering together in the room. Once again, we see gathering. I love it. And he says, listen, as I was sent from the Father, now I am sending you. 
as Jesus was sent from heaven to come to earth, he looked at his disciples and he said, now I am sending you also to go into the world, to be salt and to be light. See, we're not a church that emphasizes gathering as a God. We don't think that you need to gather all the time and only be inner focus. No, we're a church that believes that we should be a, a church that attracts people, but we also have to be a church that is on mission, that we invite people to come be with us, but we also go to the world because they need Jesus just like we do. So we're a church that gathers and scatters. And in that, we see that this is really what a biblical church looks like. This is what I see, a biblical gathering why we gather is this, where we come together and are focused on Jesus, number one. Number two is we are internally focused on equipping and building up the church internal. At the same time, not neglecting to be externally focused on the world. And so as I said, this is a potluck church. This is not a buffet church. Are you playing an active role in that? Are you serving in some capacity? May or may not include you having a shirt, but it may. Do you lead, are you a teacher that needs to lead a community group? Are you a person who hosts people well in your home? Are you an encourager? Are you someone who prays well and we need you here praying over and ministering? What do you contribute? What has God wired you to do to serve this body and then to take what you're serving in this body out to the world? That's the question I want to answer because we come together to scatter, to take the good news of Jesus around the world.